and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Paul Hudrick, joined as always by Seamus Clancy. And Seamus, we have so much to be excited about. Like, I know you're like me in that there's just always this like other shoot to drop situation in the back of your mind because things are just going so splendidly. Um, you have the Phillies advancing to the National League Championship Series. You have the Eagles 6-0 still the only undefeated team in the NFL heading into the bye week. You have the Sixers season kicking off Tuesday night in Boston against the Celtics. It is Tuesday while we're recording this, so we are doing that ahead of that. Um, Flyers hockey tonight. The Flyers are 2-0. and um, Just to kind of put a nice bow on Philadelphia sports right now. That's where we are. Uh, I- I'll let you kind of start it off. I mean, I'm assuming you're you're going to want to start off with Phillies, but what's, what's, what has been the most exciting thing uh, that you would say over the past week since we haven't talked? What if we are just in the optimal timeline? Because there is this idea that you've said it, I said it probably last or last week or and I've written it. There's this feeling amongst Philadelphians or Philadelphia sports fans specifically that this other shoe's gonna drop, that phrase keeps coming up, that the bottom's gonna, the rug's getting pulled out on you, something like that. What if this is just the way it is? Not, not saying it forever, that they're gonna win, every team is gonna win a championship forever and have at least one every cycle. But the idea that things just coalesced and came together at this perfect time rolling into the fall where the Eagles were rebuilt over the last two years into this team, all the Phillies big money additions over the last couple of years, finally put it together for a stretch for the first time, but in the most important stretch ever in October. But this is just the best timeline. I guess it's not impossible, right? I mean, you know, I think back to the Phillies golden era and, the other teams weren't terrible during that during that time frame, right? I mean, the Eagles are pretty darn good. Yeah, the um, Phillies won the World Series in 2008, and the Eagles go to the NFC Con- Conference Championship that year, losing Arizona. Right. The couple, span the Flyers, of about four months, whatever. Flyers go to the Stanley Cup 2010. Yeah. Um, the Sixers even, uh, you know, won a playoff round, which in the, at that during that era was was a big deal because it just wasn't a thing they did then. And I think we kind of sort of take it for granted now. To say, I know it's disappointing. They have gone down in the second round, you know, for the last five years, whatever. But there was a time where it was never expected that they were going to go to the second round. And the only reason they got there is because Derek Rose's knee exploded. Um, so I think maybe we take that for granted a little bit, but no, nah, those teams suck. That was, that was <laughs> fucking terrible. Show you love. Um, they were terrible. I mean, they, they had some good players and well, you know, well, terrible in the sense that the most terrible thing you can be in the NBA is directionless and pointless and, in that right and i just funny i just wrote something for sbnation.com the main site which i'm going to be doing some things for that this year and i basically wrote about how um you know victor um i can never pronounce his name when i need to when when just call him wemby that's what i'm calling him wemby i like that um he's clearly not like a real person he's like an alien or some type of creative thing because he's just the most remarkable specimen i've ever seen um the fact that a guy like that is available and that's people are saying like LeBron James, like he's the closest thing, you know, to a generational talent since LeBron James. There are only two really super actively tanking teams. Now there should probably be more. And there's some that are going to lose, you know, they're, that are, they're not tanking, but they're okay with losing. But then there are some teams that are just kidding themselves. Um, and I think that's where the Sixers were at that stage. You're talking about the kidding themselves era where they thought, you know, maybe they could put it together, but this was never going to happen. But I definitely want to start off mostly talking about the Phillies because whew, it's been a lot of fun. Um, 
the home games. I got any. I unfortunately could not go. Um, I really tried to talk the fiance into Saturday and she just was not budging. And, and mm. you know what? I'm, I'll forever hold it against her. It's fine. Um, I'll, you know, resent her forever for it. But anyway, um, no, but it just looked, I mean, Friday, the, the, the environment was just wild and it was so loud and it was just so good to see it. Right. Like just seeing it on TV, all these, all, like the fans and the red towels and, and the excitement. And when Reese Hoskins hits that home run and does a friggin' bat spike, um and good for reese hoskins first of all i mean my goodness <laughs> that guy uh the stuff he's been through here and you know some fair some not fair the, the criticism he's taken over the years but to have, for him to have that moment which is arguably actually let's start with that where do you put that like as far as like big moments let's just say in our lifetime like where would you put that in big phillies moments that reese hoskins home run that inning I wrote over the weekend. I attended that game. I, I would guess you would say as a spectator. I'm not a media member for the sure. Phillies playoff run. My playoff credentials got denied, I guess, since I've really gone this season. So that's fine. It's fine for me. I'd prefer to watch at home, maybe have some friends over watch the game. I might have to write about the game. That's all fun. Have good. a couple of brewskis. Enjoy yourself, I guess. Yeah. Who, who, who's to say that's not a great thing to have? <laughs> so I went there Friday and I wrote about affiliatevoice.com over the weekend on Saturday. Just the atmosphere. And I it was called The Rebirth of Citizens Bank Park was the article title. I like it. And I said that the Hoskins home run is the loudest I've ever heard a Philadelphia crowd outside of Patrick Robinson's legendary, iconic mm. pick six right up there. You could see if you're watching on YouTube, the autographed picture of it you could flip it up there real quick. You can oh, see yeah, that. Yeah. That's nice. Nice touch. And I think I can have, I can say that I was at the Phillies game five in 2008 world series, both halves. I was there for Roy Halliday's playoff, no hitter in 2010 that moment was louder than both of those times. And I wrote this week that I would say it's, I do who won the week in Philadelphia sports every week. And this was the toughest week ever. <laughs> I had to pick a candidate to win. What a I did go with problem. Reese Hoskins because of the redemption angle, because that singular moment defined this week more than anything else that happened with the Phils, more than anything that happened with the Eagles, even though that was a spectacular one in its own right to go 6-0, face some adversity in the third quarter, but they got things together. Jalen Hurts leads that unbelievable eight-minute clock yelling draft at the end of the game. I said third biggest home run, at least of my lifetime, watching the Phillies, I would say number one is still – Matt Stairs, NLCS, oh. and Los Angeles. Stairs rips one of the night, one of the best baseball calls of all time. Number two, I would say, though it's my favorite moment of the 2008 World Series run, I would say that Stairs home run is still bigger. Shane Victorino's Grand Slam, Grand Slam. in game two yep. of the 2008 NLDS off of CC CC Sabathia, I don't even know if younger people remember. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he was a Cy Young winner, multiple-time All-Star. Was unbelievable. At his peak. And at his peak. And in the middle of that season, he got dealt to the Brewers for their yep. playoff run. He was an impending free agent, goes on to sign with the Yankees. But he was an Cy Young winner, and Cleveland goes there. If it wasn't split between two leagues, he would have won Cy Young. He sh- they should have made a new award just for him that year for how unbelievable he was down the down the stretch in Milwaukee, and the Phillies absolutely rocked him. And maybe if you were there, not you specifically, you in general, you might say that moment was louder, but I have nothing to compare it to. I just watched it at home with my dad. I remember you know, hustling home from school after football mm-hmm. practice to go watch it. But, man, it was just – the bank was, hasn't truly rocked like that in almost a dozen years. It's unbelievable. It the lead up to that Grand Slam, too, because it was the Brett Myers bat uh, where he eventually walked. Yeah, the, um, yeah. The, the lead up to that was just incredible. And the, yeah, it just reached a fever pitch. So I was not there either. But I met. Yeah, that that felt that felt incredibly loud. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I haven't been to I haven't been to too many Phillies playoff games. I just I but I can remember regular season moments where it was just that loud. And it's funny, you're like as you're talking about, I'm getting chills thinking about it, just thinking yeah. about those memories. And that's what that's like to me. That's been the coolest part of all this is like just feeling like like how big that moment was like when you saw it and you're like, Oh my God, this is actually happening. And Bryce Harper comes up and he smokes a home run. And you're like, what is like, how is this actually happening here in Philadelphia? Um, And then Saturday they have another, you know, another Brandon Marsh comes up with enormous home run. Um, It's just, just, and then of course the JT inside the park home run, like everything just seemed like this is all happening. Like this is insane. Um, And a cool moment too. I shared it on my Instagram where, um, my son, who is 10 months old, is just starting to learn how to clap. He's getting oh there. Kind of can't quite oh get there yet. He just kind of does this. Um, for those who can't see me, I'm just waving my hands kind of aimlessly. But at one point, um, we started a Let's Go Philly chant, and he was trying to join in, and it was the most adorable friggin' thing in the world. Um, That's what just- I love, because the way we're reminiscing about these old, these old moments and we're reflecting on them, we have the clarity as if they happened in the last 24 hours, <laughs> even though it happened 14 years ago. Right. An entire new generation of Philadelphians and Philly sports fans are able to experience that in their own right. And that itself is so friggin' awesome. Right. One of my favorite moments from Friday was before the even the game even started. I'm walking in, was tailgating in the K lot, you know, the Lynx lot, walking the third base line. Obviously, they have a huge statue of Mike Schmidt out there. People are taking pictures as they should, taking pictures outside the stadium, has the big red October banner, making those memories. And I saw a, I guess, a father with his daughter taking like a selfie with a Mike Schmidt statue. The daughter couldn't have been older than four or five years old. She's, you know, running her feet up there as if she's climbing <laughs> it. And that kid wasn't even alive the last time the Phillies were good. And maybe she'll only have a very faint memory of this, but it'll be something she'll be talking about the rest of her life nonetheless. And it's something that uh, it's just the fact that these memories, like, like, yes, like, yeah, you're right. They're talking about stuff 14 years ago and talking about it like it just happened. But now it's these are these are now new memories, right? Like these are memories that 14 years from now, we're not going to forget any of this. We're not going to yeah. forget Reese Hoskins hitting that home run and spiking the bat. Uh, you know, we're, we're these uh, we're not going to forget JT Rimuto's inside the park home run. Um, or, you know, it's just it's just cool to think about that. These are like everlasting moments that we'll always have in our head. And like, again, my son, my son's 10 months old. So he ain't going to remember this, but I can, you know, you it's know. just a- it's it's, <laughs> it's just a cool thing to just remember, like for, for us to have that moment. It's just really cool. Um, but to actually break it down from a baseball standpoint, which, by the way, the Phillies <laughs> advanced to the LCS. Can't believe that phrase is coming out of my mouth. Um, they advanced to the NLCS. They will play the Padres starting Tuesday night. Um, it's going to I think these two teams are actually really evenly matched. They're both very good. They both have very good starting pitching. Uh, both have very good starting pitching, a few really big bats in the lineup. Um, pretty good defensively. I mean, they they are pretty evenly matched in a lot of in a lot of ways. So I, I'm very intrigued by how this looks. I Phillies think for and me, five. Phillies in five. I love it. Well, after uh, we could touch on it later, but after what I saw, what you you shared oh with me God, earlier okay, this okay, afternoon, okay, I'm yeah, saying Phillies yeah. in four. Um, but uh, you know, the one thing that stood out to me across the, the the five games or four games, excuse me, in Atlanta against Atlanta, the bullpen. And now you're getting David Robertson back, by the way, who is now who, who was listed as on the NLCS roster. You have Sir Anthony Dominguez, who looks like he is in midseason form. He looks spectacular um, over great. his last few appearances. Jose Alvarado picking up right where he left in the, off in the regular season, gave up the one homer, but 
Um, otherwise, it's been really good. Um, his post-game Zach, quotes are fire. And yes. Oh, he just seems one. like the biggest sicko reliever, which is the exact yeah, type of exactly. demeanor and attitude you want out of a guy who's coming out of the bullpen in the seventh or eighth inning. Strike one, strike two. Good luck. I That's like the most amazing phrase ever. Um, and then you have, you know, Eflin. I thought that was his. He looked tremendous in his last outing against the Braves. I thought that's the best he's looked so far in the postseason. You know, Andrew Bellotti's done a solid job coming in and giving him a few innings. Um, I'm assuming Syndergaard's going to have to start. Game four, Game four I, you would think, right? I, I would think that's good, but you know, and I thought he was solid. You know, all things considered, the situation he's kind of thrown into to give them three innings of one run ball to start the game, pretty good, pretty helpful. Um, but uh, and then, uh, you know, but just looking at the totality, though, and then he, uh, Brad Hand, Brad Hand's been pretty good too. You, it's to a point now where you have reasonably five or six relievers that, to a degree, you feel comfortable putting in a game in the playoffs. That is huge in the postseason. Like to have that many guys that you feel comfortable going to. On top of that, you already have, I would say, the two best, with all due respect to you, Darvish, Blake Snell, and Musgrove, who are all really good. I would take Wheeler or Nola over all three of those guys. So, you know, you have those two guys at the, at the front and then the bullpen to back it up. And then Ranger, who I think, you know, he, he obviously had a tough start in Atlanta. I think he's pretty darn good too. And I would, I think he has a chance to bounce back. Um, was there anything so he'd be starting game three in Philly? Yes, that would be okay. the assumption is that he's starting game three in Philly. Um, I don't know the splits. I don't know. I know the Braves were that was a big deal, like a big storyline coming in is that they really just crush left-handed pitching. Yeah. Um Suarez didn't help himself. I think he walked five in game three against the Braves, yeah. so that was a little tough. Or game two, excuse me, game two against the Braves. Um, I don't know or what the Padres. Or we're game one, the, I'm sorry. We're all right. over the place, I, but yeah, it it was game I don't. Yeah. Game two was... Listen, the Sixers start the season. There's all sorts of stuff happening. Um, yeah, it's fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know what the splits are with the Padres. Whether I mean, they have a couple pretty good lefties in their lineup, so maybe that will will help him. But um, what was there anything for you that you kind of take away from that Atlanta series that gives you confidence that they, you know, that they have a, either just a really good shot or that they will beat the Padres? The bats are alive. Mm. So it's about who's hotter in the postseason. And you have people like Morning Joe melting down that a bunch of 100-win teams are knocked out. To that, I'll say, maybe you should have played better in the postseason. It's not the first time this ever happened. People want to complain now because it's the first time ever you don't have at least one division winner in the National League Championship Series. The first time ever that there isn't at least one division winner. Just to speak on that for one second, I'm sorry to cut you off, but just speak on that for one second. No. I believe the Phillies had the third best record in all of baseball post June 1st. So like, it's not like the Phillies were this terrible team that just, yeah, just say it's the Rob Thompson's Phillies. They're, it's not Joe right. Girardi's Phillies. If we're just saying Rob Thompson's Phillies, this team belongs there. Right. So it's, it's not like this. They like came out of nowhere and like they're like slopping it up like they were like some bad slop team. them up, <laughs> slop them up. I That wasn't even on purpose, but I love that. I set you up for that. Um, But yeah, like this isn't like some team, some 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 like team that like, yeah, I'm I, granted they didn't come into the playoffs like humming exactly. But at the same time, since June one, I think it was like the Yankees and the Braves were the only teams that had a better record or someone. I, I can't. There's two teams. That's it. Um, And all of baseball. So it's it's just that narrative is so. Silly to me. There's 162 freaking games in a baseball season. There's going to be ebbs and flows. The Phillies were kind of, you know, going up. Uh, they're on an upward trajectory, as you mentioned, after Rod Thompson came on. So, like, yeah, it's not – this isn't, like, the biggest surprise in the world. But please uh, continue. 
I don't know what I'm saying. Juan Soto has been terrible in San Diego, but still should be terrifying, I believe. Yes. And he's uh, he's right there to this bank park before. I don't know his splits, but I've seen it with my own two eyes. <laughs> what do you think for the series? What's your prediction? I, mean, I, like I have the- tickets to game five. Mm. So there's a non-zero reason that's factored into my prediction into a five game. Imagine just walking out of that stadium with the World Series breath clenched and just walking down Broad Street. I'll walk all the way home. I don't care. Yeah, this stadium. Or I'll, fall, or I'll pass out in the gutter at Broad and Oregon. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I'll walk. I'll walk across the bridge. No. Um, yeah, I'll probably be banging hot pots and pans outside. Do You know, the old school thing. So did you do that as a kid for stuff? Oh, yeah. I've time. talked to this before. Yeah. And I think it's a regional thing, but I've talked to people Maybe. from the area. Uh, some people have, some people didn't. But then I brought it up to people, you know, people I went to college with the river. They think it's the most insane thing ever. Uh, might be a South Philly it thing. Years. It's a South Philly thing, I think. Yeah, like my I think aunt was very it. big on that. Like, oh, the Flyers just made the Stanley Cup. We need to go bang bang Yeah, that's fine. I guess that. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> that's insane. I can't. I I haven't thought about that in a minute. But yeah. Oh yeah. man. I actually, it's funny because I remember when the so when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, we were living in this this shitty apartment um, at the time because we were saving up for a home. And I remember I watched it by myself. I had a lot of beers, and I just remember the Super Bowl. You watched by yourself? Yeah, I did. Could you not watch it with other people? Give me your take about that. Like, no, you were so, that, so for that. Yes, I was you were so, so clenched that you couldn't take anyone else's voice going on. That and also all season long, I had like barely watched games with anyone. Yeah. So I was like, no, like I, I can't do it. Like I gotta just watch it by myself. I have to sit in this spot. I have to drink these beers. Like that's just the way I have to do it. So they won. Um, started weeping, of course, and then I went outside to my apartment complex and just like screamed at the top of my lungs. And like, there's one other living? guy, like at the, like like four buildings down, who yelled back. And like that was it. And that yeah. was, but it just made me sad because it's like, man, I wish there were people out here banging pots and pans. And this is not a not a thing that people do around here. It's not a pots and pans area. Uh, it's not. But uh, I like the Phillies in six. I think. Okay, so game six would be Tuesday. Am I correct in saying that? You think there's a travel day between game five and game six? Even though that would be, yeah, there has to be a travel game between five and six. Yeah, it has to be. Um, look it up right now. When we're talking West Coast, there's got to be travel day. Um, so yeah, but I, I I like them to clinch it in uh, in San Diego. I, I think that's the way it goes. Yeah, um, Tuesday. Oh no, it's not Wednesday. No, it's. Game three is Friday, and they would play every day. And game seven would be Tuesday. That's that's terrible. And they're traveling in between the West Coast. And yeah. The East Coast? So Sunday's game is at two thirty-seven in Philadelphia. See that game? They're kind of out of the locker room by like seven. They're hopping on a plane and playing at eight oh three Eastern time Monday night. But that'd be five o'clock in the West Coast. Yeah, that's. That sucks, right? Do you like, think Major League Baseball might be dropping the ball on building the fan base and doing things right to maximize mm. eyeballs and attention and fervor for their sport? Mm. I don't know. Who's I don't know. Say? I can't imagine Major League Baseball doing things to to not attract fans. That's weird. No. Um, Are you know, we pulling I, really hard for the or, – or Philly fans pulling really hard for the, the Cleveland Guardians right now? Isn't that, wouldn't that be the ideal opponent for the World Series between the Yanks and Astros? This um, yeah. this game, especially coming before Phillies Padres game one, gives me the vibes of Jaguars Patriots 2017 <laughs> AFC Championship game where everyone is like saying, "I don't want to play the Pats. I don't want to play the Pats." Like, let's get the Jaguars in there, and the Jaguars yeah. are up and up losing. But hell of a game, though. 
that game, the Jags Jaguars yeah. game. Yeah, that Wasn't was it? I I watched I, some I of it, in the it being a very good before game. I was going in. Yeah. Um, I want to tell the story in the pod before. Did did I ever tell I went in thinking the Jaguars won? No. No, I watched I was watching the That's game funny. at my tailgate, but then at a certain point I'm packing up, getting things together, all of that, you know, making my way into the stadium and everything. And I just wrap my arm around my best friend. I'm like, I can't believe we're gonna play the like the fucking Jaguars in Super Bowl. He's like, dude, the Patriots won. <laughs> Fuck no. Fuck. That's uh, amazing. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's amazing. Um, I was like, I, we're gonna play Blake, Blake Bortles in the Super Bowl. See, but <laughs> no, the, the Guardians, thing is, it's it's so much better that we that they beat the Patriots, right? Oh yeah, because then there's yeah. no because like I still hate that people try to say with the Phillies, oh they beat the Rays. Dude, that's who went to the World Series. Shut up. Didn't the Rays beat the Sox in the ALCS? I believe they did. Yeah. It's just so stupid. Like, it's the dumbest thing ever. Yankees fans, I've seen them. They feel themselves so hard that they literally said, oh, yeah, if the Yankees made the World Series in 2008. It's like, yeah, well, they didn't. So the Phillies won. Thanks. That's like when the Um, New Orleans Saints won three straight Super Bowls uh, in 2017 and 2019. They have a bad yeah, great back to back to back champs, New Orleans Saints. Listen, I just want to thank them very much for that pick. That's probably going to be top five. Um, but Dude, the only thing with the Guardians, get Will Anderson and win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing with the Guardians is you have to worry about the Tito Francona revenge factor. Oh, I don't know if you want to mess that. with the that's, baseball that's guys on that bad. one. Those are very bad yeah. vibes. And I think that would have been bad. Was Tito the Sox manager still in 2008? I would think so, right? I don't remember. Yeah, probably. Well, no, because then the other thing is too. If you, you, I almost want the Yankees because Rob Thompson revenge game. It'd be funner if they beat the Yankees too. The same yeah. way, and Topper, Topper funner. getting and like after they didn't give him the manager job and all that and his story. And I just googled Tito instead of Terry Francona, and I got ads for Tito's vodka. Just half paying attention to my phone, half talking to you. Well, you're listen. That's your that's your Google searches, man. You type in Tito's, and that's what happens. Uh, yeah, he was from 2004 to 2011 in Boston. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that would be uh, – that's why I wouldn't want any part of that. I don't want to mess with the baseball guys. I don't really want any piece of that. Um, I'm I'm, all, I'm out on that. But yeah, I, the reason I like him in six, by the way, um, I love the idea of Aaron Nola closing it out in San Diego against his brother. Um, I just love that idea. And for it would be just very perfect for Nola to be the guy to do it, right, to get them to the World Series. It just feels – very just it just would put a, a very big bow on the whole thing are you worried about them playing in a pitcher's park the likes of the way petco is with the way they're hitting and the idea that Citibank park is this band box is completely overblown and if you look at like their park factors on baseball reference it really hasn't been that way yeah in 15 years let me tell so you why they're playing in the easiest spot but i i worry some of those short porch dingers might just be pop-ups in San Diego. I'll tell you why I don't worry about it. Um, a few reasons. One, they really didn't hit. Like, their homers were, like, that resonance homer is out of everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. most of Bryce Harper's home runs are out of every stadium. Um, so there's that. But then the other thing is, yeah, like, clearly, Schwarber, Hoskins, um, Harper, like, they swing big, they make big yeah. contact, and, like, that's what they do. But they also have a lot of guys that just put the bat on the ball, right? Like you have Bone, you have Segor, you have Stott. Yeah. Um, they just get, they just put the bat, they just put the ball in play, and they and they and you can make things happen on the base path. They're all good base runners, so like uh, that's why I'm not as worried about it because it, all it takes is 
uh, for like what what I think what makes this team good is that they have that balance, right? Like they have those guys that can do that. Get a couple more on base. Get Bryce Harper to the plate. Boom, you got three runs. You know what I mean? I, I think that's why. And then also too the the plate discipline. You know they have a lot of guys who can. They're power guys as much as they are power guys. They all know how to take a walk, right? They all know how to get on base. Um, whether that's again Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper, like that's they're the, the what the, what do they say the three outcome. They are True very three much outcome like, guy. Yeah, Kyle are, Schwarber is the biggest of that since Adam yes. Dunn, and that might actually be statistically yes. true, not just anecdotal. No, I think you actually might be fair on that. So that's why, to me, I'm not as worried about Petco. I understand it plays big; it's a big park, but I, I think the, their big boys are big enough to get it over the fence. And even if they're not, they're going to get on base still. And they have so many other guys that just put the damn ball in play and and and. They and they played small ball in the postseason too. They've manufactured runs. They've they done been some manufacturing, importer exporter. <laughs> Should I make entries? a same game parlay on here as we're talking? Let me put them as like $10 what do you got lottery tickets? I haven't done anything yet. I just uh. it. so we have run line one and a half or money line even money going money line. So we have that players to get a hit. I like Gene. Okay. Playing it in that park. He's minus 200. We got that. You know who I would go with? Because I feel like his odds would be even less than that. I would go with Stott. He's minus 160, actually. He has better odds. Oh, really? He's got better yeah. odds than Gene. Okay. So JT, never mind. Maybe Gene's is better. Minus 275. Bryce, minus 225. Brandon Marsh, minus 115. We missed the boat on the Brandon Marsh game. That was unbelievable. Yeah. No, I, I, it's that home run, man. That was. Whew. I'll tell you what, too, like his story and everything, like, you know, like losing his father and all that. Yeah. And like, I, I, they interviewed me after the game and I was like, oh, it's dusty in here. Oh, man. <laughs> he, he's there, Johnny Damon. Obviously, John Damon was oh. kind of an all star player, but yeah. The hair, also kind of center a dick. fielder. <laughs> What'd you say? Also kind of a dick. He was. Am I missing? Uh, was there something obvious I'm not thinking of right now? Uh, if, you, if you Google Johnny Damon's recent history and some of the things he's done and some, okay. of, his, some of his leanings, let's say. Um, okay. Yeah. I got I think you. there was a situation where he got arrested for a DUI and, and kind of also did the whole the did the kind of do you know who I am thing and all that and like a Zuna? Just doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem like a very nice man. Um not I will say about the, I hang out with. the DUI chance at the Citizen Bank Park on Friday when uh Azunia was up the bat for the Braves. Uh he had a recent DUI. I'm correct in saying that, right? I don't know. I mean he uh, well, the uh, the thing that I most know is like domestic violence. He that was um that was what last season or two seasons ago he got he got a, a hefty suspension for that. Which... No, this this was this year. He had a DUI. Oh, okay. Arrest. Oh so yeah. When he was That's up nice. the plate. Everyone so was chances. doing DUI chance mm. for him, and he struck out on three breaking balls with the wildest kind of cartoon swings of all time. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was weird that. If if Citizen Park had forty five thousand people, there might have been twenty thousand people doing those chants, and most of them probably probably come with these little tips there. Yeah, I did not enjoy the mock chop personally. I thought no, that was why very that. bad. Uh, and I would say there weren't a lot of people doing it. it no, it, 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 I would say it was less, a slight it felt percent. Like less than half. Yeah. Oh, it's it was. I would say probably closer to thirty percent. Okay, still, that's good. It's still embarrassing. I would think it's cringy. It was cringy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so are are you? You're officially going Phillies in in five. I'm going yes. Phillies in six. 
Um, yeah, we both like the Phillies a lot, and I'm very excited to uh, to watch the series. I, of course, I have to watch Sixers basketball because I have a job to do. But yeah, um, I have as to, soon as which, that's over. What's your situation going to be? So I have to. Uh, Philly voices Sixers beat writer Kyle Newbeck is on his honeymoon. So mm-hmm, congrats mm-hmm. to Kyle on his marriage. Congrats uh, to Kyle. his uh, new wife Kendall. Uh, but I have to do I have to do a little fill in work for him mm. since he's away. So we do the kind of the instant observations for the Sixers game. But obviously, I'm way more interested in the Phillies game. Sure, um, Sixers game starts a little earlier. It's seven thirty, but it feels like a game that starts actually at like seven fifty three rather than seven thirty because it's the first game national television on TNT. So we have that. I really want to put the Sixers on my second TV, which is a smaller mm-hmm. TV, slightly smaller that I hang above my quote unquote normal TV. I usually have the volume off on that, but I need the volume on both things simultaneously. So I'm really jammed up here. I'm wondering if I just put like a second screen, like a laptop next to me with the Sixers on there with the volume because it's easier to see both and then watch the fills on the bigger TV. This is all first world problems, yeah. obviously. I, I don't want to sound like a douche. Sure. No, listen, I think we all get it. Like we're all on the same boat, right? Like we all want to watch both games. So I don't think it's, uh, I don't think you're speaking out of turn here. I will tell you who has, and it probably should come as no surprise, uh, who has a great setup and that's Derek Bodner. Um, the last preseason <laughs> game. That's one of the least surprising things right? I've ever heard in my life. Um, the, the preseason finale. Yeah, yeah. It was game two, the game that got rained, that got delayed oh, until seven thirty at night. So, um, I, I listen. I'm not gonna lie to you. I had the thing streaming on my computer while I'm watching a preseason game. I was, I was multitasking. Um, but Bodner has this like setup where it's like he's got the laptop and he's got like a tablet and it's like it swings around so he can like watch it like this. And it's like, dude, this guy, like you said, of course, Bodner of all people. Um. So yeah, maybe obviously not making fun of oh, someone I've known and worked with, guy. known and worked for with yeah. for almost 10 years. Tremendous guy. Um that's actually a fun fact. That's where the uh well no, it's not where it started, but he kept the uh my uh the, the joke about my hair going for a long time. Kevin Kikade was the initiator of that, but Do- but Bodner has uh kept that alive and well. Um one uh, do you remember that story? Because it was pretty funny, yeah. but uh, it was like it was opening night a couple years ago. And we were still doing zooms, even though we were in the arena, we were still doing zooms at that point. And we were talking in the zoom chat, all the Sixers beat writers and Kevin K said, Paul Hudrick's hair looks great. And I just put a heart. Um, and at NBC sports, Philadelphia, my former employer accidentally put the chat up on the screen. So it was on TV. Paul Hudrick's hair looks great. And in my heart next to it. And it just became a very funny thing for uh a long time and bodner really enjoyed it and it became it's become fodder now it's good stuff yeah um, flow dude rocket listen uh no i just i really i just wanted to wear one of the reptophils for this one so that's why i wanted to make sure that i uh, uh my shirt on. yeah i see it. i see it i got my as close as i'm gonna get to wearing sixer stuff um that's yeah it. um <laughs> yeah but uh i think we should take a break here but we definitely want to talk some Eagles football, touch a little bit about the Sixers uh, on their opening night, and then also touch a little bit about the 2-0 Flyers. So we're going to take a quick break on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast, but we'll be back with more right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seamus, it was literally one of the best sports weekends ever in Philadelphia. I think that's not. I don't think it's hard to say. Yeah, at all. I really don't think so. When you, you know, the the gravity of the, the, the Phillies winning that series and the Eagles taking on the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football at the link, coming out victorious. Um, little dicey there for stretches, but ultimately they sealed the deal, as you uh, already referenced off the top. Jalen Hurts leads a tremendous drive uh, late in the game, takes up a bunch of clocks, scores a touchdown. They finish it off. Great win, um, I-, I think. I know Dak Prescott didn't play. I get all that, but still a great win. I thought the defense really showed up throughout most of the game. Um. <sighs> I'm conflicted and and maybe you can help me out here because there's a part of me that gets concerned that they get out to these leads. They kind of have a low on the third. I think second quarter, I saw the one crazy stat where it was what the the most points scored, the largest point differential in a quarter by a team to start a season, like since like 1950 or something wild like that um, for the second quarter, third quarters have been trick. um, And then they've managed to kind of close it out with one long drive to close the game. So I'm kind of conflicted on whether I'm worried about that or whether it's football and that's going to happen and momentum's going to swing and that the Eagles are kind of found this formula that works. And that is get out to these big leads. And then in the end, they can just with, with their ability to, to run the football, whether it's hurts, whether it's miles Sanders and that, that offensive line, that's so good. Um, and it just gets to a point in late in games where they're just wearing defenses down where they can just have these eight minute drives, cap them off and close games out. I'm wondering if that, if that's like this, it's a formula that makes sense, right? Like it seems like a winning one. It's been a winning one for six weeks. Um, But, but should I be, should I feel more that way? Or should I feel a little bit more worried about the fact that the third quarter has seemed to really be an issue? My take is if they are scoring at a historic rate in the first half, I think that bodes well for the way they're able to build leads. And maybe they need to fix some things in the bye week in terms of managing leads, seeing how they're playing defensively. But I think what I like about Jonathan Gannon's done is those scoring drives the opponents have had in the third quarter where they were thinking, you know, this is how people are letting the Eagles back in the games, how the team's letting the Eagles back, letting the Eagles opponents back in the games is those scoring drives aren't these quick strike things. They're methodical drives and they're not giving up big plays or slowing things down. And maybe they're allowed, not intentionally allowing him to score, but teams are scoring against them, but they're draining the clock against, you know, they're racing against the clock against themselves in a way where I think their scoring drives for the opponents have eaten up a lot of clock the way the Eagles did in the fourth quarter where they closed out that drive, where I think they're just, they have a decent form there right now, but I think it's something that they can be perfected going into this bye week again there everyone is consensus cons- and like in consensus saying between and i mean like the team itself jalen hurts next to they haven't played a complete game yet and that's been something that's been said and they haven't played up to their standard and all those things so i think there's still room for growth there isn't room there is certainly they could regress but i think there's more likely than not they improve in that factor the other thing that someone raised and it's i think it's a fair thing um you and I both have spoken glowingly about Jalen Hurts and um, he's, I don't want to say completely changed my perception of him because I always liked him. I just wasn't sure if he yeah. was the guy, but I, I think he is to a point now where I think he has certainly earned a, a much longer look at that position and perhaps has earned an extension at this point through six weeks. But the one concern would be, and listen, there are other factors into this, but the yards per attempt 
have literally regressed each week. Um, yeah. Now the Dallas Cowboys have been one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, Lane Johnson goes down. That doesn't help anything. I thought their and their first half game plan was just absolute master masterful yeah. by Stain, yeah. by Shane Steichen to to put kind of Michael Mike uh, Mika Parsons Micah Parsons in these uh, binds where he's got to make really tough decisions and it's almost like making you know taking away his aggressiveness by making yeah. him think. Yeah. I thought that was really a brilliant strategy by them. Um, obviously, you know, and Driscoll. Not to say that Driscoll did a bad job because he didn't. Um, but it's, he's not Lane Johnson, who Correct. is Lane Johnson's as, one of the best bass blocking t- tackles in the history of the, the most, most criminally underrated offensive lineman, maybe in the entire, he's NFL. the most underrated Eagle I've ever seen. He's the most underrated player in the NFL over the last five years. He's yes. not just one of the best offensive linemen. He's not just one of the best right tackles. He's the, one of the best players in football and has been for a good half dozen years. Right. And so when you're replacing him with a guy like Dr- Jack Driscoll, who is a fine player, you know, he's good. Um, he, he's a very fine backup to have, but he's not he's not Lane Johnson. So that's certainly a factor when you're talking about putting the ball, you know, getting the ball down the field. The fact that they were up 20 to nothing, <laughs> also a factor and sure. perhaps why they weren't pushing the ball down the field as much. Uh, do you have any concerns there as far as uh, as far as maybe, you know, those big plays kind of not being there as much as they were to start the season? Yeah. So we're looking at the Hertz and his yards per temp going down each game. And that's true. It's, it's a fact. But the way I look about it, it's, there's a lot of noise in those numbers. Week four is the rain fest against the Jaguars. Yeah. Not an environment completely conducive to throwing the ball. Week five, and I think we talked about this last week, this very screen-heavy attack that the Eagles ran in Arizona that I think baffled us, both of us, a little bit. Yes. Didn't really work. They went and they they, went, they pull out a game. They pull out a win. That game in Arizona have to last – uh, you know, with a minute left, have a field goal. Cameron Decker saves the day. Decker the kicker. But there was something in Arizona's defense that caused Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni to call those plays. And I don't think it was a Jalen Hurts thing. I think it was something they saw in that defense. And we talked to A.J. Brown's usage was weird that game, right? He didn't really have any targets later on. We were wondering, I, at least I was wondering, if there was an injury situation, something like that going on. So that one's kind of a mystery to me. And, and, and in that regard, it's kind of this outlier to me because it's not really the offensive system they've had in any of the other games, right? And then you say Dallas has a great defense, and that was very true. They, they, they played phenomenal this year. Obviously, the Eagles put up 26 on them, which was great for the Birds. So I'm not, I'm not saying I would be worried yet. Obviously, if you're an Eagles fan, you'd rather his yards per attempt be going up, and they were at kind of an astronomical rate that I think was ripe for regression, and that happened. But I do think they will stabilize, and you'll see them in the future, you know, airing it out a little bit more. So I want to go cause for concern, but I understand if Eagles fans do have some semblance of a concern there. It's normally you would say a team that's six and zero, coming off a huge win. You would say the buy is coming at like the worst time. But for me, I, I kind of almost, no, I think it's a great time. Yeah, with injuries I, I with lane a, with, yep. there's still things that can be perfected. They, they came off of a very tough win against a tough team. One of the, the NFC absolutely friggin' sucks this year, but Dallas is still a top three team, I would say, with the Vikings being number two. So for all everyone saying the Eagles haven't played anyone, they beat the second and third best teams in the conference. Yeah. So put that in your pipe. And <laughs> I think it comes at a nice time. There's there's an unevenness, and we're getting to the point where the media and fans alike are saying this team isn't winning by enough. It's, that's what the complaint is. They're not yeah. crushing teams enough. And I think they were crushing teams early, and they have to find out 
have to completely figure out how to optimize a win, right? In terms of optimizing their second half after getting to these great leads, because I think they're just out talented and out coaching everyone else within these first halves. And then they don't really know how to act when they have these leads quite, quite yet. And I think there's room to growth for Jalen and for the offensive uh, coaching staff as well. Yeah. And, and uh, like you, you kind of touched on it, but already, but the idea that, you know, the Arizona win was a tough win. The Dallas win was a tough win. They won it, and you're right. It, it, I don't care if they win by forty or they win by one. Like I really don't care. It's yeah. a win. It's a win. It's a win. It's foot, especially in football. There's seventeen, you know, seventeen games. That's it, and the margin for error is so damn small. I don't care how you win, you win. But I, I like you already mentioned as well. Like there, there are things I think they can clean up. Things they can do better. Um, injury is certainly a factor when you're talking about you know and. You know, Landon Dickerson's kind of been in and out of the lineup. He keeps seemingly having to come out of like every game at some I think point. It's just so going like, to be the way it is for him. He's a very, very yeah. talented player. He's a pro, pro Bowl caliber player. If he plays a full 16 game season, and he was mostly healthy last year. Obviously, when the Eagles drafted him, he was injured at the time and couldn't practice all summer. Yeah. So, it might be a situation where you're living with him missing uh, time in three to four games a year. But if he's playing and he's out there, he's his. You know, that's as dominant as the left left side of the offensive line pairing you're going to have, and those guys are just absolute maulers in the run game. Yep, it was good to see. That's the other thing too. It was good to see Mylod. You know, he's been dealing with the shoulder. It was good to see him out there and, and feel Absolutely. like you know he, he played the entire game, was able to finish it, and was effective. You know, um, one of those deals where if you don't hear a guy's names a lot of times, that's a good thing. And I don't believe we really heard Mylod's game name much at all. Um, so that you know, um, yeah. And Jason Kelsey still Jason Kelsey. The guy is incredible. Uh, um, and it was good to see that you, you, you talked about J.J. Brown, too. It was good to see him really appear to be a big featured part of the game plan um, this past weekend. I thought he was excellent. Dallas Goddard continues to look like like a pro. Dallas Goddard lives to hurdle over people. Yes. He's really probably should stop doing that. But, um, yeah, it's like a tight end thing, right? I feel like that's like uh, like a like I feel like just a Travis George Kelsey Kittle type that. thing. Travis Kelsey thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like even like. Um, like Zach, peak Zach Ertz did that a lot. Tried to hurdle people. Like I, I, I don't get it. Um, even like going after Brett Selleck, I feel like he tried to do that shit all the time. But what is a very um, memorable one against the Ravens? That Brett Selleck one. That was yes. A big one. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's just a, a lot of positive things to say about the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm excited. I, I, I always love when Brandon Graham makes a big play and gets highlighted on the broadcast because sure. everything that dude's been through and came up with that huge pressure that led to the. We got to give um, CJ Gardner Johnson huge props for you know. Who, playing through was, injury and having two gigantic dude, plays the, the perfect tip drill the perfect tip drill on the yeah. first interception props to james bad james bradbury for getting his hand on that and causing the inflection and then cd makes a nice diving play later on too with a great hit from brandon graham as you yes. said causes a bit of an errant pass and falls into his diving arms after he just had some sort of wrist hand injury too yes uh, and it was it was like a t- it wasn't an easy one either. Like he had to go to the ground to get no, it. No, no, not at all. It seemed like a situation where he might have been able, might have re injured that. Yeah, that that hand or that that wrist. Does the post game press conference the sunglasses on? Because that I was just, there for that. Yeah, he was. He's he was looking good. He was looking good. Talking um, about uh, got some you know fly eagles fly text from his grandma. His grandma was so yeah. proud of him out there. That was really cool to hear and see. Yeah, that's you awesome. know answering his phone as soon as he got to the podium was rocking those sunglasses. Good vibes for the team for sure. Ah, uh, he's and he's yeah, he's a fun. He's one of those guys too, especially when you're winning. He is so he is so awesome to have. Um, oh yeah, because the vibes are just that much better. Um, you mentioned Bradbury. Um, I don't know what the hell the New York Giants were thinking. They basically gifted rap 
James Bradbury to the Eagles this year, and he's been tremendous through six games. Are the Giants for real? I won't believe they're for real until they beat the Eagles. Okay. They could be – I don't know what game of the season that is. They could be 8-1 and one going with that Eagles game, and I still would think. They don't play them till like – it's like – they're two December games, it's, I believe. It's like literally like week 14 and 17 or something like yeah. that. Like it's late. Um, so both teams are really like, and they, it, what's, I mean, to me, I, I enjoy the fact that it could mean they could be huge divisional games. I love yeah. that uh, yeah. towards the end of the season to have that. Cause I hate when they play, when they get the division games out of the way too early in the season and then you don't see, I hate that. So I'm, I'm good with the game week 14 and 17, make those games matter and count. I like that. Um, Whatever their record is, they're the worst team ever to have that record in my mind. They are the worst <laughs> five and one team ever. They will be the worst six and one team ever. They will be the worst seven. And one I think Brian Dable might be the, the greatest. I think Brian Dable's ever. awesome. I really know like why though, coach. because Daniel Jones stinks and he has yeah. managed to make him look average. Yes. And he's terrible. Like Daniel Jones is not, he can't play. I'm sorry. Yeah, if they, if they get an actual quarterback with Dabble, I think there there's some legitimate potential with that. I really yes. like Brian Dabble. Uh, he Scary. stayed with the Bills as their offensive coordinator and play caller after the 2020 season. Uh, that's when Doug Peterson had mm-hmm. left Philadelphia, was canned. And the Eagles brought in Nick Sirianni at the time. I'm thinking Brian Dabble is the guy I would go after. And maybe yeah. they offered him in. We can't really speak to that. I don't know if that was true. Uh, I think there was a Jason Lock and Four report at the time that the Eagles didn't pursue him. Yeah, but he's well, he turned down all. I, I believe Dable returned. I think he might have turned down all requests. Like I, I think, think he. he I don't. I don't think he wanted back. to leave. Yeah, yet. yeah. So uh, I, I don't think it's it's kind of moot. But yeah, it worked um, out no, for he, the Eagles hey. certainly with Sirianni. Yeah. But I think he's a very very good head coach. Sirianni, man, it's unbelievable. It's funny because um, he was made for this city. Yes, and Doc uh, Doc Rivers has talked about him a couple times uh, at press conferences, and it's really like, and he Doc loves him. They text each other apparently, like they have like a yeah. like a like a relationship now. And Doc said, like Doc brought up the, the flower thing. He's like, man, he's like, oh, you guys are killing him when he brought up the whole flower thing. I told you to stick with him, and it's just funny um, that Doc is so uh, protective of the of other coaches. I know he loves Tortorella too, which you know, of course, uh, <laughs> such a parallel there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that he. Uh, I don't know that he has any kind of a relationship with Rob Thompson, but we'll, we'll have to, I'll have to dig Not in yet. Um, but he's, he's a doc's like a big sports guy in general. If you didn't know that he like loves all four sports, like he, in, he I don't know about ball. hockey, but he definitely, he definitely watches baseball big time. He definitely watches football big time. Bears fan and white Sox fan though. Um, which I'm sorry for him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, speaking of doc rivers, we have the Philadelphia 76ers opening up their season Tuesday night in Boston at the garden. I'll tell you the most exciting thing, Seamus, is um, as as we're doing this podcast, it's nearly four o'clock. The tooth, whatever it is, two thirty injury report came out. Clean. We'll Not see a how long on that lasts. What's that? We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> hey, going into the season, I, honestly, I, I I'm happy with that. Um, that's pretty good for them, uh, considering how things have gone down in the past. So they should we should get our first like you know really extended look at the starting five which will be, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a hell of a test, right? Um, going up against a Boston team that went to the finals, one of the best defensive teams, if not the best defensive team in the entire NBA. Al Horford does as good of a job as anyone against Joel Embiid. Uh, James Harden. I know it is sickening. Uh, James Harden is going to have to deal with the defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. And just no easy matchups on the other end either, right? I mean, you, you have P.J. Tucker now, who's go- I would assume is going to guard Tatum, which should be a lot of fun to watch. And I assume Tobias is going to get Jalen Brown, which is 
You know, you got to give Tobias credit. He was so good in the postseason last year defensively. Uh, I'm very interested to see how their defense looks uh, as a whole. I'm very intrigued to see how the rotation exactly plays out. Uh, I, I will not toot my own horn, but I believe I predicted this like one of our first podcasts. I said exactly what the rotation was going to be, and that's pretty much Look exactly what the rotation Kings. is. Um, the only thing is the Harold Reed situation. I'm I'm in, I'm curious to see how Doc handles that because it looks like Doc wants to play Paul Reed, which is really encouraging. Um, I think Shake Milton might see minutes here and there, but not much, like literally five minutes a game at most, I would think. I don't I don't know if Doc's going to go hockey lineup and go all five guys. We'll see. Um, but for you, what's your kind of temperature check? Where are you at as, as this uh, season's about to start? I'll, I'll believe they can make the conference finals and they make the conference finals. Wow. Maybe wow. it's a little pessimistic and cynical, but that's, that's very that's pessimistic. Sixers. Yeah. I was really hoping for better vibes on that one. Wow. No. Uh, opening the season in Boston doesn't sound too great for them. No, well, that's either, I don't think. I, they could start zero and two. Like it, it might sure. happen. Um, and which I don't, is, which but is I fine. Like right, doesn't like it's, matter. It's yeah. not indicative of what they're going to be this season. They're playing not only two of the best teams in the conferences. They're playing two of the most cohesive teams in the conference. Teams that have been together and played a lot of games together. So they have a lot of moving parts. They have a lot of new guys coming in, and, and they're they're figuring out lineup stuff. Um, so it's going to be like, I, I just don't want people to get too reactionary to, oh, they lost, they lost the Boston and Milwaukee. Oh, they have no shot against these teams down the road. Like, no, I mean, let's, you got to let it play out. I, I can understand. I, I get, I get your pessimism long-term for sure. I even get it in the short term because I don't know what it's going to look like early, but I, I think they are going to win a ton of regular season games. I do. I what's think, your number prediction and what's your I, I actually, prediction? Bold. I said 55 wins. No, I Kyle think Newback gonna... today in his predictions. Uh, really? 55, 55 plus wins, he said. Wow. I think they are the one or two seed. 55 wins. Um, Where would I think you pick Milwaukee, Boston? Milwaukee's the only team. I, I see. I think Boston's going to take a step back for a couple of reasons. One, I think that coaching situation, I don't think that could be understated. Um, sure. That's something. Um, two, uh, Robert Williams III is going to be a big loss for them to start the season. He Definitely. is a big part of what they do. That's going to hurt them. So I, I think they're going to get off to a slow start. Milwaukee, too, might get off to a slow start. They're not going to have Chris Middleton uh, for the first couple of weeks of the season. But I think what I the reason I, I like the Sixers for a big win total is because of the depth. Yeah, I think they are, much, past. they are much better equipped to beat teams when Joel Embiid doesn't play. They're much better equipped to, on a random night in February, go into Detroit and just beat the snot out of them because they have – Play, like Daniel Matisse, House hits five threes, something like Matisse that. Matisse right? Stiebel and Furkan Korkmaz are eleventh and twelfth guys right now. They're not bad basketball players. They're flawed basketball players very much, but they're not bad. So when they're your eleventh and twelfth guys, and they're, they're those are the guys you're filling in for when you know name a guy who misses a game. That's the guy you're using in the rotation to fill in that spot. They're going to be okay. So that's the reason why I, I just I think fifty five wins is fair. I need to see more. I can't make like a playoff prediction or anything because I just need to see how it looks. I need to see how it looks. I need to see how it feels. I'll say PJ Tucker. And actually, I want to get your take on this because Steve Lippman at Liberty Ballers wrote a a really fun piece where he kind of he compared players across the Sixers, Phillies, and Eagles. Okay. And he said PJ Tucker, he compared to Kyle Schwarber and AJ Brown. And I really liked that. Now, I know Tucker's not – those two other guys are, are are stars, right? Like, they are star players in, in the sport. P. 
PJ Tucker's not that. But of what I think, I think Schwarber comped his app. I would say no for AJ Brown for one specific reason, and we can get to see what you have to say. Okay, I I, I think the toughness factor is the biggest thing. I Correct. think all three guys bring that edge, that nastiness, that feistiness. I think that's huge um, for all, and all three teams needed a little bit more of that. So I think that's a big factor. Um, and I just think maybe to your point, maybe not as much with AJ Brown, more so with Schwarber and more so with PJ Tucker, the guy who can just course correct. Like when, when shit starts hitting the fan, they're the guys, you know, when they lose a couple games in a row or if they're down big at halftime, those are the guys that, you know, Keith Tucker's a guy that's going to go into, go into the locker room and be like, yo, we need to get our shit together. We need to, you know, we need to win this game or we need to get, we need to figure things out. We need to, you know, play better basketball. So I think, Definitely from that standpoint, I think Tucker and Schwarber, as I think Schwarber's had a huge impact for the Phillies in that regard of just being that professional um, and kind of keeping guys in check. Yeah, I think Schwarber's more of a vet, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, whereas A.J. Brown, I still see him as part of this young nucleus that's upcoming. Uh, what I would say Schwarber is more so is because of that championship experience, and Schwarber came to a team that hasn't won shit ever with a bunch of guys mm. who never won shit. And I think that really did help the dynamic you see in the locker room after every playoff when he's the guy that's leading the celebration. He's the guy that's popping things up. He's the guy that's dropping F-bombs, doing all that stuff, leading the dances. And I look at P.J. Tucker. Well, I don't think he's going to be leading any dances in the locker room. I don't know if that's his specific style or do you, would, would you say that? Did you not see him partying with James Harden this offseason in the Hamptons? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll pop a but few bottles. I, I haven't seen many Sixers champagne celebrations in my life. So maybe that's, that's, the, that's, <laughs> well, the I've issue. never seen any. So, <laughs> but they both have championship experience. And I think that's a huge factor again for a team of, and the Sixers who haven't won shit. Yeah. So no, I'm with I, you. I think that is, I, I like it from Steve. I think that was, that was well done. Yeah. His, his were other, all, they were, they were all pretty good. good ones? Yeah. Uh, I can't, I don't know. I'm trying to go. Maxi Hertz. It was Maxi Hertz. And oh. uh, actually, you know what? No, no, no. He put Hertz. I believe he put Hertz in the star category. I think he had Harper, Hertz, and um, Joel. and Joel Embiid. I believe. I believe those were his guys. I could be mistaken about that. I would. I'm sorry, I would Steve. If I, if, he if I doesn't have that. as much like star mm. power, but he, I think, I like the that US though. Best yeah, I like that though. I like he the had, Hertz Maxi album thing. That's what I'm at. He say. had Stott, so he had Maxi Stott. Stott, Stott works, yeah. Um, and now I'm struggling to think who he had for the Sixers, or I mean for the um. Maybe Devontae. For the Eagles. It was Devontae Smith. You got it. Yeah. Yep. So I thought that was pretty good. And then I actually like this one was a little bit different, but I liked it. It was um Daniel House, Brandon Marsh. Oh, who is the Eagles? It might have been Bradbury with the idea of like each guy just being the guy who kind of filled the hole. Like the, they had one I hole like on the roster. I like and they fill each guy filled it. Um I want to say I could be mistaken. But I want to, or was it? It might have been Reddick, actually. Okay. Whatever it was, just like, but it made it made the way he explained it was perfect. It was just three guys that just filled huge holes that they that the team had, you know, previously. All three yeah. guys did that. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's good stuff by Steve. Um. Didn't bring the Flyers into that mix though. The two and zero Philadelphia Flyers, who are back in action on Tuesday night. Um. I'm assuming you're not going to have the third TV up for that one. But listen, if um, I didn't have work. Anything work related, I'd probably throw it yeah. up on a tablet. Whereas it's something just, I'm, I'm already right. in overload mode, so I didn't Same. have anything to it. But <laughs> Same. again, if I didn't, if I was technically off of work today, I would, I would have the Flyers game on the tablet. But look, it's been fun to start. They've been pretty fun. Um, uh, this come up with the young guys. I think I brought up Wade Allison before. Wade Allison's a guy I happen to like an awful lot. I get big time Scott, Scott Hartnell vibes from him. Um, 
Morgan Frost scored a goal, which is like, okay, here we go. Morgan Frost. Um, uh, Pro Frost played pretty decently next to D'Angelo. Um, Your boy you know, D'Angelo. Yeah, D'Angelo. Um, we don't have to really talk about him that much. Um, and then Travis Sanheim's played well. Travis Sanheim gets an eight-year contract extension. Um, I'm personally a fan of it. The value's pretty good for a guy who's at, at worst your second pair defenseman and and you know could you know is a pretty big factor you know in all situations as a defenseman so i i personally like the extension i thought it was pretty solid he's still really young i actually don't know exactly how young travis sanheim is but he's i just worry about locking guys in long term when we have no idea what this nucleus 26. looks like in three years and it's a directionless team to begin with and i yeah it just it just screams a little like let's get that eight seed well, I'll snap it up with a guy like Sanheim, though. I feel like at worst, he's going to be pretty good. So if if the scenario that I agree with you could very well play out that in two or three years, they decide he's movable, probably at that point, he's right? probably especially a couple of years from now, that contract's probably going to look pretty good and probably going to look like a, one that a team would not mind taking on. So if that's the case. Yeah. But again, the, the young guys are what's giving me hope. I hate that Cam York is playing in Lehigh Valley. I, I really hated that decision i don't get it i don't like it one bit um I, I would really like to see him up here getting nhl experience i don't think it's doing him any good to be down there but and it's what are we doing you know playing justin with all due respect to justin brown who's a fine veteran defenseman like I, I think we need to move on with our lives there igor zamula is another guy who's he's Classic playing third igor. he is play, he's a huge human but very skinny um but he's shown some flashes of far playing with nick sealer who again don't know why Nick Steeler's here, but he's here. Um, yeah, they're going to get Katuria back eventually. Uh, Rasmus Ristolin is hurt. Cam Atkinson's hurt. So, I mean, they're doing this, and they still have a couple of their veteran guys who they're counting on the play, you know, big minutes and and, and in key situations still down. So, I mean, I, I it's two games, but you got to give John Tortorella credit that he got them up. You know, they were really up for that home opener, obviously, against the Devils. Devils have a chance to be a pretty good team. Uh, Vancouver, eh. Um, but they're going to get some tests down the road. Like, you know what I mean? The, the, the schedule is going to toughen up and they're going to hit some adversity. And like, that's where you really want to see how it goes with like Tortorella, his reputation. And I, I yeah, it starts, you know, the lightning are one and two to start the season, but they're still the lightning. Then they play the Panthers and the predators. Like it, it does not get, you know, the schedule does not lighten up by, by any means uh, for the flyers. If you're looking um, for where the shoe will drop in this Philly sports thing, it will be somewhere in the Wells Fargo center is where I would say. Well, I think just from a sheer like like if you're just looking at it like you know what I mean like from from the odd standpoint like sure. the Phillies could could get swept and we'd all still like you know we'd be upset but we'd all still feel pretty good about what they accomplished already. Yeah. Um, and the Eagles, you know, they're already six and zero. Oh, like <laughs> they're going to win probably you know at least ten games. They're going to make the playoffs, probably win the division. So um, just from that standpoint, of course, if, if there's bad vibes, why well, keep making the joke that the Sixers are going to ruin everything and lose the first two games, but. As we already discussed, not the end of the world to me if they lose the first two games. They got a lot to figure out. But I think we're going to wrap it up there, Seamus. Uh, you know, it's a hell of a time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. We are along for the ride. We are enjoying it very much. Uh, we will be able to recap, you know, multiple games of this Phillies Padre series next Tuesday. Uh, nothing Eagles wise to really go over. I'm sure there, there might be a quote or two to come out or, or something along that line, or maybe some stuff around the league that goes around. Um, Dak Prescott's injury and where he will be after this week. Uh, and Sixers will be talking about three games. Um, one, you know, San Antonio's 
full on tanking. So that should be a win and some more flyers to talk about as well. So we'll have plenty Wemby to talk seems about. Seems like the most Spurs player of all time. Who's that? Wemby. Wemby. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Uh, dude. Brett Brown getting his hands on Wemby. I'm all for it. Okay. I will say <laughs> I have a parlay I made in June that is still yes. alive. I tweeted about it Sunday night. Okay. So on June 11th, I saw a Phillies win sitting in Garage Fishtown. Mm. And like That's I usually fine. do sometimes if I have a couple of beverages in me, I might mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. make a little make a little wager, small wagers. My my unit's like $10. So I'm never, not ever crazy. I'm not a crazy yeah. money guy with this. Don't make enough money to spend a lot of money <laughs> on gambling. Uh, so I did a two-leg parlor. The Philadelphia Phillies to win the 2022 World Series and the Philadelphia Eagles to win Super Bowl. Uh, that would be 57? Yeah. Eleven dollars to win eleven thousand four hundred eighty-four dollars, and I don't know Let's if go. I would ever cash it out. The cash out right now would be two hundred and thirty-six dollars, which is certainly not worth it for me. No, not if I mean, especially since you're going to enjoy the ride a little bit. I, yeah. I so if the Phillies win, it's got to be in a couple thousand, I would think, at that point with the team playing, the Eagles playing the way they are, and they're really on the path yeah. to the number one seed. Yeah. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I'd cash out. Depends on the situation. Obviously, you know, a couple thousand dollars is nice, and I don't know if you want to blow that, but uh, if the Eagles in the Super Bowl, that'd be pretty. But it's such a fun ride. I was going to say, just add. Are you kidding me? It just adds to the ride, yeah. And the beers will 100% be on you if the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Well, um, the... I'll find you at the parade. You're going to owe me a beer. Well, well, Ashley, I don't know if I said this in the pot or said to you, Ashley and I's plan is if they win the Super Bowl is to get married at the parade. That's the most epic thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> well, Matt, you know what I mean? That that's the perfect kind of full circle, and have a few grand in my pocket to go. There's throw, a honeymoon. Throw ten, throw ten thousand dollars cash at a bar, and just then let everyone in the bar drink for free. <laughs> that's a very selfless way to enjoy your winnings. I, I respect. Hey, that. it's all about civic pride. Yes, indeed. Um, and we have plenty of it right now uh, in spades in Philadelphia. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. Please download, download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. He is Seamus Clancy. I am Paul Hudrick, and we will talk to you next time.